CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group CEE special episode Learning and Mobility in the Shadow of the War Learning and mobility are different concepts yet interconnected. One can think about them as a human right, a privilege, an advantage, or an opportunity. Access to education and freedom of movement is often taken for granted. However, we're not all equal towards those. Living in a war zone is an example of this contrast. Almost a year since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine and more than 3,333 days since the war in eastern Ukraine started. Countless tragedies that have happened. According to the Ministry of Education and Science of Ukraine, 3,075 educational institutions have suffered bombing and shelling and a total amount of 437 were completely destroyed. Welcome to CEE, Central Europe Explained. I'm Sebastian Schaeffer, Managing Director of the Institute for the Danube region and Central Europe. In this special episode, we focus on higher education and access to mobility during the war in Ukraine. Recorded during the 17th DRC summer school in Vienna, Christopher Radovich interviews Irina Feketa, Anastasia Lendl and Julia Stoika, all Ukrainian university students. Together, they discuss their studying situation in Western Ukraine, they give us their personal insights as well as wishes for the future. Furthermore, listen to what they would say to their fellow Russian peers. Enjoy this short but concise insight into learning and mobility in the shadow of the war. Hi, I'm Christopher from Romania and I'm here with um, Irina Anastasia and Julia from those who are at the university in Ukraine and we are going to discuss a little bit about learning and mobility in the shadows of the war, especially in terms of consideration and challenges. So I wanted to hear a little bit your perspectives on the subject. What were your, the first thoughts that have crossed your mind when you find out that your university life, the best time in your life is going to be spent in a period when your country descended into war? To be honest, that was a secondary thing which we were talking about is because the first days of war we were just shocked about what's happening and naturally what we cared about is about safety of our close ones and our family and honestly what would go with university just like came on a secondary uh, plan, let's say so. Um, first two weeks uh, the country universities haven't worked obviously because there was too much going on and then those which are were not destroyed and which were functioning we continued in online format which is completely logical as anytime uh, we could be hit by a missile so it's better to stay safe in your homes and that's we understood after covid that uh, we were used to online studying and we went with that further as these things have been going on for quite sometimes now what emotions or words best describe uh, your situation as Ukrainian students in these hectic times? Of course at first it was really stressful and uh, personally I couldn't cope with that for first month let's say but then uh, to be honest you simply adjust because you can't live in these conditions for so long when you have every day you have uh, these air alarms so you have no choice but then adjust and accept this reality. So you adjusted to the uncertainty? 
Yes, we adjusted oh. to that incidentally. Also, as university life is already a complex endeavor, but most of the students here, we just have to worry if we get the coffee from Starbucks or from another place. Could you list some of the new problems and new challenges that you have faced in terms of learning and mobility, especially during a time of conflict? Because it's really hard to imagine it from abroad. Actually, we are from a kind of peaceful region of Ukraine. We don't face with the straight consequences of the war. So we can mm. talk about the uh, whole student uh, bunch of Ukrainians. <laughs> you can tell that for them it's real stress. It's real stress to live uh, and to learn uh, in that time, at the time of war. Yes, and in terms of mobility, as far as I know, those from the capital, from the east to Ukraine, they did have some issues when they were internally displaced and they faced some bureaucracy. Uh, some male students, they cannot uh, simply go abroad and uh, finish their studies there. And they, they also live in this uncertainty. And um, a lot of actual universities, they don't... Um, make these programs, these examinations uh, easier for the students. So I personally uh, saw a lot of messages from the students' communities about these unfair conditions that they are studying in. So to sum it up, the main problem goes how to help students from eastern and uh, southern regions to continue their studying life uh, in a manner that it was before when their university were destroyed, when they have lost their home, what they're going to do next. So that's, I think, the main problem we're facing in academia right now. And and we think that uh, our government has to take some urgent measures, some kind of uh, crisis management because of this situation and they have to, like, uh, create some kind of fund to finance uh, the studies of internally displaced students. At least take some measures on the governmental level to help that students to continue their studies inside of Ukraine. Talking a little bit outside of Ukraine, maybe you believe brain drain is a problem, maybe not, but uh, how would you see the future? Would you see it as excellence abroad or as resilience back home? Well, to be honest, we cannot uh, prevent like some part of people going out of the country and it happens in every country that uh, young people seek to move to something what they consider better, more qualitative and so on. Right now we are facing a problem that there was a massive amount of people which had to evacuate and some of them of course are going to stay. Some of them are have discovered that in fact Ukrainian services, standards and other aspects of life are not that much bad as we thought. So what I think which could be done that as well as we are having candidate status right now, it enables a lot of investments going into our country and I think we should use it into also upgrading our level of education and basically having a higher level and opportunities to make use stay in the country and not go abroad. So from all of these challenges and issues that uh, you have mentioned, what steps should the people within and without Ukraine take in the future to solve them? I think it's primarily dealing with this strengthening the network of university in Ukraine because it would allow uh, those students who are displaced to continue their studies effectively, not dealing with bureaucracy and 
transferring the subject and so on, I think we have to uh, also solve this problem. How could they attend lectures or maybe be temporarily studying at other universities? I think it's one of the challenges we can solve and I think it's one of possible solutions how we could do it. Let's transpose ourselves a little bit into the future when you might be walking in Kiev with your grandkids. What would you say to the next generation of Ukrainians if you had the chance to tell them something now? Basically, I think that uh, different times uh, um, demands different approaches. So I don't want to be that old kind of uh, woman <laughs> which lecturing my future uh, grandchild or my, or my child what, uh, what she, he should do. And I just tell them, take your own route, follow it and be sure of yourself, be sure of your identity, learn a lot, that's all. Also talking a little bit about learning, uh, if you right now had in front of you an amphitheater full of Russian students, what uh, would you want to tell them? Open your eyes. And that was that. Thank you and stay tuned for the next uh, time we come here in Vienna again. The weather is nice, we're gonna have like some rough traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> This was the final episode of this CEE special mini-series with the collaboration of the participants of the 17th DRC Summer School 2022. To follow up and expand this topic, I recommend you to check out CE episode 35, Education Cannot Wait, an episode with Lana Chubacha and Emma Honteberry focusing on the situation of Ukrainian pupils and teachers during both the pandemic and the war. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next season, Central Europe Explained 3.0, starting soon. So you enjoyed this podcast? Then tune into another CEE episode and subscribe to the IDM podcast series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or elsewhere you get your podcast. And also have a look at the rest of our work on our website www.idm.it And please, for any feedback and podcast collaboration, feel free to contact us. This was CEE, Central Europe Explained, a podcast series produced by the Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. IDM Podcast Institute für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional Actions. Cooperation and Expertise since 1953.